You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily edition of all things Dog Pound, Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, uh, Locked On Browns, as everybody knows, available, Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed or following Locked On Browns for all your latest Cleveland Browns information. Today's episode is brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson Show, our flag show here on the NFL side of things on Locked On. Um, interesting, we mentioned Brian Peacock as we're going to portray into the guest on his other show on Lockdown 49ers. Uh, one of my favorites as far as defensive back play. Um, Eric, you know, had a little time with the NFL, uh, some time in the Arena League. Um, now, uh, trains athletes, uh, owner, operator of the Crocker Report, Mr. Eric Crocker, also part of the Lockdown 49ers podcast. Eric, my man, how you doing, buddy? And I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, I mean, we got so much within the family here at Locked On. Uh, we got to sit down here and, you know, it's not really that hard to reach out for guests because we got so many decent guys right here under the yeah. uh, Locked On helmet, so to speak. Um, but, you know, obviously big on San Francisco 49ers coverage that you are. Um, obviously big on secondary play. Last year for Joe Woods, and there were times people got on him, and it kind of just drove me absolutely nuts because – they did so much and were able to get so much done for the offense for Coach Stefanski, for Baker Mayfield going into the 2020 season. Joe Woods, it was kind of like, you know, he was the kid who was late for dinner. And like mom said, it's not my fault. You know, dinner's at 530. Whenever you, you got in late, you get whatever's left. And yeah, it's nothing but vegetables. Everybody ate the meat. But now Joe Woods, you know, with the opportunity here going into 2021. Um, a lot of additions were made, but I mean, the amount that they were able to do everywhere, they were able to add to the linebacker unit. They were able to add to the defensive line unit. The secondary got a jolt and it was kind of like, you know, he went from the kid getting the scraps to like, basically it was Christmas morning and everything under the tree was for Joe. (laughs) Yeah. Joe, Joe Woods, man. I mean, good coach. Everything that came out of San Francisco was extremely positive. He was a guy who I didn't know a whole lot about when he was coming over from Miami Dolphins. And 49ers had Jeff Halfley, who has gone on to have a tremendous career. I mean, he went on to be a uh, defensive back coach for Ohio State. Then he went on, now he's head coach at Boston College. And, you know, those are kind of big shoes to fill with a guy who had been with the 49ers organization for a while. But I, I know immediately when Joe Woods came over, I heard some of the players talking about him. And one thing in particular kind of stuck with me. Some of the players were saying that, he was really a stickler on the technique, and that was one of the differences between him and Jeff Halfley, somebody that wanted to get the technique right, wanted to make sure that guys were doing things the right way, whether it was with footwork and really harping on it over and over and over to where it became really good muscle memory. So that was one of my favorite things to harp on as a defensive back guy myself and, and a coach and trainer is your feet got to be right first and foremost. I think when it comes to technique, feet, things like that. That was some, that was an area definitely that Joe Woods was able to help the guys from that standpoint. Now, it's hard to know exactly how much of an impact he had because the 49ers also had, you know, uh, Richard Richard Sherman, who was kind of the veteran on-field coach, and the 49ers had a lot of success, you know, w- w- uh, once he kind of showed up. But 49ers have had one winning season in four years, and that one winning season, the defensive backfield was led by Joe Woods 
who, you know, really helped that team. So uh, he was a guy that I, I know a lot of guys were really, really high on. And the 49ers, I want to say in that year, had either the number one or number two pass coverage uh, team defense in the NFL. Well, uh, you know, we saw it firsthand, and that was probably, uh, you know, one of the things that helped, you know, Joe Woods making his way, uh, you know, to Cleveland that Monday night massacre uh, that happened and secondary being all over the place. Um, and you know, that's you know where, you know, the Browns basically, you know, went and planted their flag with Joe Woods leading their defense now in his second year here. Um, there's a lot of talk and, and we, I want to get your thoughts on the def- uh, you know, on the defensive backs that are here now. Um, but Joe Woods basically said since the time he got here, you know, he wanted to play more nickel. He wanted to play more dime. Uh, you see with the, you know, selection of a player like Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, you know, I think some people confuse terminology and they don't adapt with terminology of the way things are today. What it is, is if I can get more safeties on the field and now you look at safeties, you know, where maybe they're five, 10 pounds lighter than a linebacker, but much faster, much more athletic. It's really just, you know, moving players around in situations they can handle, but understanding the fact that at the end of the day, look, it's no different than any other sport out there. You're trying to get your best athletes on the field. No, definitely. And, you know, the NFL now is so spaced out, especially with most of the teams. Now, you do have the 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 21 heavy personnel teams like Shafansky, like what the Browns are doing, like what Shanahan, the 49ers are doing, you know, and uh, like what the Vikings are doing. But there are a lot of teams that spread the ball around, and you want to have your best athletes on the field, especially your best coverage guys, because a lot of what these teams, especially even with these run-heavy teams, what they're trying to do is they are trying to attack guys' rules. And the more athletic you are, the more you're able to, your body's able to respond to what somebody's doing to where, man, I am in a vulnerable position, but I'm able to react and be able to play off of that. So, uh, yeah, man, getting getting your, you know, whether it's a defensive back that's maybe a little bit heavier or a linebacker that's a little bit lighter, I think that's something that's going to be a little bit more fashionable around the NFL because of how, smart these coordinators are with attacking guys and their rules. Uh, it's, you know, and, and look, a lot of it is, you know, it's become similar to basketball on grass and people that used to scoff on it. Now you see the success that Kansas City's having. And look, if you, you know, the day you score more points than the other team, that's what it comes down to. You just kind of got to slow these guys down a little bit here. Uh, the Browns much more improved, deeper at the cornerback position. Uh, Denzel Ward has been all they can ask for to this point, you know, other than the fact of injuries, which again, can never be controlled. Uh, they have Greedy Williams right now trying to find his way back, but I think a lot of people don't understand what one full calendar year off of a football field does and take some time to get basically acclimated back to the situation. You have a rookie in here, Greg Newsom, who's got skills, who's got technique, uh, knows how to use the sideline to his advantage, which is something to, impressive to see from a player this young uh, but the Browns, as opposed to last year when they were taking a practice squad guy and starting him in a playoff game at the cornerback position, this year a lot more depth and a little bit of diversity in the types of th- top three cornerbacks that are most likely going to be on this roster. Yeah, man. One, you 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 touch on a lot there, but I'll say the 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 two guys that really stand out to me. One, obviously Denzel Ward. When he was coming out, he was my CB one, and I was like, this dude is tremendous. I thought. From a skill set standpoint, he was everything that you wanted in the cornerback. Sure, he didn't have the massive size. He was a he's built a little bit more lean at close to 5'11, like 180-something pounds, but he played big. And that's one priority of mine, whether whether you are 
receiver, whether you're a cornerback, whether you are small, whether you're big, I need you to play big, right? Play aggressive, play aggressive at the catch point. He was someone that I saw do that on a consistent basis. And I've definitely figured, especially with his athleticism, uh, he it will all translate to the NFL. And like you said, he's been fine, but dude, you got to stay healthy. And that's one thing he gets to be able to take care of his body better. I think some people might attribute that to his lack of size, but I just think a lot of times with these injuries, some of it's just kind of bad luck. Now, now when you look at Greg Newsom, he was actually my CB2 in this class. Um, I loved Greg Newsom. I think he actually had my favorite film out of any cornerback that I watched. From a versatility standpoint, he was someone that could play press, played very well, had good feet at the line of scrimmage, great anticipation on vertical routes, great on in-breaking routes, made guys have to fight through him. When he played off, he was tremendous, you know, so you can, he's a guy that can not only play man press, he can play man off, he can play quarters. He, um, You could tell that he could read down concepts extremely well. He challenged himself in space, and that was something that's really good for me to see where you are letting your feet do all the thinking for you and reacting. I thought that was really awesome. He could be a little grabby at times, but I don't mind that. Like some people, some people hate when corners are grabby. They got on JC Horn a lot for that, man. Like I look at it, man. Like if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Those receivers, they're going to push <laughs> off a little bit. So corners, we're going to grab a little bit. And we saw LOB do it for an entire season. And, you know, yeah, you might get them once a game, maybe even twice, but they're going to hold a majority of the time. And they won a Super Bowl like that and went to another one like that. So, uh, I, I really liked a lot of what I saw from Greg Newsom. Again, he was my second, he was my CB2, and he actually had my favorite film. Somebody with that size. And when I watch and I go to evaluate film, I don't I don't look at height, weight. I don't look at any of that. I just look at how they play. And when I was watching him, he looked like somebody that was 5'10", 180. That's good. Because that means you have terrific movement skills. So for me to eventually see his pro day and see that he's 6'1", 190 pounds i'm like what that's a plus like you shoot up you know, when you have that type of movement skills with that size so as you can see he's somebody that i'm extremely high on and i'm excited to see what exactly he does i think joe Wood's gonna have him right though like I i'm excited to see what he does this year yeah i i think and you know and this isn't a knock on greedy but he's in a tough spot he's never really played for this regime the way it's set up here Obviously, you invest a first-round prick in Greg Newsom. You know, unless Greg really, really has a difficult time here, you really got to think that obviously they have their eyes on him being, you know, their other starting cornerback. And again, as far as the grabbiness, you know, and this goes back to the test of time. I can deal with giving up five yards. You get flat out beat, and it's fifty-five for a touchdown. No, 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 no. We'll take the five, kid. We'll take right. the five, and we'll line it up. We'll do it again. Um, we're going to get back to a little bit more here with Mr. Eric Crocker here. We'll get some thoughts on the safeties, as obviously this room has just absolutely had a massive, massive overhaul from where the situation was one calendar year ago to where it currently is now. More coming. Your latest Locked on Browns. It's been a long time that they've been with us. You folks know everything there is to know about Rock Auto. Over 20 years in the business, rockauto.com. Whether you're buying important vehicle parts, water pumps, Parts for your engine, parts for your transmission, or simple things just as carpet for your vehicle. A rear view mirror, rockauto.com has it all. Go to rockauto.com right now. Type in locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know the folks over at Locked On sent you. Amazing selection, all the, the greatest parts, all uh, reliability, everything in the game, rockauto.com. 
as we continue on here with Lockdown 49ers host, creator of the Crocker Report, Mr. Eric Crocker. Uh, we got to talk about the you know the secondary, a little bit about Joe Woods here. Last year, about this time, Browns fans were getting introduced to Grant Delpit. And with a player like Andrew Sandejo here at the time, and again, Andrew Sandejo got put into a position that he was never meant to be put in. Uh, you know, Carl Joseph, Grant Delpit was looked to be the savior of this unit. Here we are one calendar year later, Grant Delpit getting his feet wet back in the NFL game after the Achilles injury. But in that time, Cleveland Browns-wise, you saw an addition of Ronnie Harrison last year, who turned out to be the Browns' best safety last season. You went out, and not only did you basically double down, you tripled down by going getting the best safety that was on the free agent market in John Johnson III, understanding that there could be some hiccups for Grant Delpit on his way back, Eric. But now you look at Grant Delpit, and it's, you know, progress, you know, get better on your own timetable, but it's setting yourself up to understand the fact that there could be hiccups for anybody, but you're really, really deep. And, you know, when you have athletic safeties who can do more than the traditionals line up 15 yards off the line of ball, you know, off the line of scrimmage on third and 10 smart, intelligent players who know how to tackle the safety position. It's becoming so much more crucial in today's NFL, especially with the way the chiefs, the bills, the Ravens are playing where that we're talking three, four drives, 65 yards and in the house. Yeah, man. I, I like Delpit a lot, you know, coming out. I thought he got drafted around where, you know, I thought he, he would, it's always tough when you're coming off of an injury like that, especially somebody whose game is kind of based a little bit more around, you know, athleticism and being able to react, especially in today's game in the NFL. So I, I think the biggest hurdle he'll have coming back is trusting, you know, that, that, you know, everything is fine with the Achilles and that he's going to be okay. You know, I think the mental hurdle of overcoming injuries is probably what hurts guys the most. You know, it's not just a lack of ability. I mean, he has that. And even coming back, he might be fine. But mentally, he's always going to be thinking about it. And I think until he figures that part out and we'll see how quickly he gets over it, that that's probably – if things start to look a little weird for him early on, it's probably going to be because he's he's thinking about that Achilles. It's and it's one of the worst things in the world when you're coming back from an injury uh, of that standpoint. And now, especially for you know Grant Delpit to come in here last year, he was coming into a situation where he was a young player. He was highly thought of on a team that thought they could, you know, maybe do something. Wasn't ever a part of it. Now the team did something. He's coming back with the thoughts in the back of his head, trying to get over the injury, but also now trying to understand that you know this team is almost light years difference as far as the expectations of what's upon them as opposed to where he was last time he was actually taking part in practice for the Browns. With that being said, when you go through the offseason the Browns did after a successful season on the offensive side of the ball, you have still this offensive line that was number one, number two, whoever you want to go by, but in the run game, in the pass blocking game, you're bringing back your running game and now a you know satisfied Nick Chubb knowing where his future lies, Kareem Hunt, you bring Odell back off the injury. You add a player like Anthony Schwartz to this mix. You have all your tight ends. So there's – and the guys have talked about it. And it's been fun to listen where it's like, you know, they are so much more advanced for early August where they were – where they as opposed to where they were one year ago. Because so much of the minuscule nonsense and BS as far as installation is way, way out of the picture. But now there's no joking around here. There's legitimate expectations. And whatever was good last year from that offense – it's not going to be good enough this year. This year, it needs to be greater. 
Yeah, man. I mean, and I and I can see it getting better, man. You got Odell Beckham coming back, and and I get it. Like he is a guy that he has kind of become. I don't want to say an afterthought, but people have low expectations for him now, and I think that's when well, the, the, with the ACL, it's like they've been, he was gone for five years. Like people don't think like this was the guy who had three touchdowns against the the Cowboys two weeks before he blew up his knee. Right, right, and I saw that, and I mean, I was excited about. It. My brother's a big Cowboy fan, so I got to make fun of him, you know, after that play. But Odell, Odell still has all this big play and athletic ability. I, I think the thing with him. More so than anything, even overcoming the injuries, which I think he'd be fine with that. He's somebody that's used to kind of having to overcome injuries and and dealing with that type of adversity. But it's going to be for him, can you get on the same page with your quarterback, with Baker Mayfield? And and I think that's where the, that's what we're going to have to see. A lot of what we've seen so far from Baker Mayfield and, and Odell, it's been a little bit forced, right? It's kind of been this forced relationship knowing, well, I got this – receiver out there that maybe he could be a bit of a diva but at the end of the day I think I think Odell's a little misunderstood I think he like Des Bryant like Tara Owens they want to win so much and they kind of show their 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 emotions they wear their emotions on their sleeve a little bit and it comes off as like this me 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 thing when ultimately like he just wants to win and he's just the ultimate competitor so we got to figure out can Baker Mayfield figure out how to get on the same page with Odell without having to force it and let that relationship happen more organically. I think when that happens and you got Jarvis Landry, you got some of these other guys that you guys have at receivers to kind of be able to play off of them along with the run game, maybe having the best running tandem in the NFL. I think that's when we'll see the Browns at their absolute best. Yeah. And another thing though, with these type of receivers and everybody will go to this, you know, where these guys will have their blowups, but nobody will go about what the game was. Look, any one of those guys, if they lost and you're going to talk to them after the game, even if they caught 13 balls, they're going to tell you I needed to catch 16. And right. they're not, you know, that maybe in their opinion, that would have been the difference in the game if you had gotten it. You very rarely see these guys getting into those issues when the team had won. So what it is is, well, I thought I could have done more. If you had called my name a little bit more, maybe, you know, we could have maybe gotten to where we needed to be. Um, and with we've said this about Baker since his rookie year. It didn't matter if you were wide receiver one, wide receiver five, tight end one, tight end four. If you were the open guy, son, be ready. The ball's coming your way. And if Baker can just find a way to, and that's what helped him last year, to continue with that. And look, as great as Odell is, and he'll he'll always be the type of receiver where the quarterback's going to say, well, where's 13? Is he open? Is he open? As opposed to going through. Of course. But you go through your progressions and realize if there's two people in the vicinity, you got five other guys, you know, out in a route combination. Somebody's going to be open. So there's going to be a play. There's going to be something to be had. And with that, eases up the coverage on a star player like number 13. Um, Nick Chubb extended. Now, you know, obviously his future set here for the foreseeable future with the Cleveland Browns. And now, Eric, and I try to tell people, talk to people about Nick Chubb. And this is one of the craziest things because he is like no other running back in the NFL. Nick Chubb just strictly goes about his business, gets his yards, scores his touchdown, doesn't talk. There's so little flash or substance to his game other than the game himself. He is such an oddity of, you know, the style and personality of running backs in 2020 NFL. 
You know, I love Nick Chubb. And it's been awesome seeing how he's rebounded from his injury in college, that torn ACL. And right now he's looking like... I still like remember Nick. when people said he was running on a treadmill. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, didn't we talk apart? Like, where maybe there was thoughts maybe this guy was going to lose his leg. Forget, wait, he's running on a treadmill? And then all of a sudden he was back in a beast. Yeah. And, you know, he is a guy who a lot of times when you... When you see people ask who's the best runner, who has the best running style in the NFL, Nick Nick Chubb's name is one of the first that come up between him, Dalvin Cook, just the way he runs, that fluidness. He has a really good all-around game where he has some speed, some uh, balance and power. We've seen him run away from defenders. Remember that game where he almost single-handedly probably got Earl Thomas kicked out of the league after outrunning him the way he did, making Earl Thomas look like he was running in the sand. So he has all this ability, and then you combine that with what we've seen from uh, uh, Kareem Hunt and his resurgence of his career. And, I mean, you guys have an amazing – the Browns have an amazing tandem there of guys who have different run styles but extremely productive, and they both run extremely hard. So I think that's Baker Mayfield's best friend, having those guys back there, being able to utilize them. And then now it's just can we get everything to play off of them and we've seen it we've seen the play action deep shots to guys like Odell Beckham now it just has to be more consistent again let everything happen a little bit more organically and I I think Baker Mayfield he's a guy that can you know he can distribute the ball extremely well yeah he's not the most athletic maybe his arm isn't the biggest but his arm is definitely big enough he has definitely really good zip on those like intermediate to you know 10 to 20 yard throws and I mean, I, I think, what was it, the, the the Pittsburgh game in the playoffs, I saw him run for like a touchdown, like a, you know, like a 12-yard touchdown or something like that. So if need be, he can use his legs just enough. I think the Browns have a lot that, that would allow people to think, hey, is this team for real? How far can they go? You know, you got Miles Garrett, one of the best defenders in the NFL. You know, again, like you talked about, the kind of revamp secondary and adding a lot of depth there, the, the run game, the receivers, the tight end and Joku, like, there's just so much to like about what the Browns are doing. Yeah, and, you know, this year, and, and fortunately for them, you know, the 2026 round pick who had some success last year, Donovan Peoples-Jones, has really, really stepped up his game this year. He's another guy, you know, has the speed to go with the physique, has a little bit more size and thickness to the wide receiver position, which could aid this play-action passing game all the more as they continue to, you know, just find more and more success here, hopefully in 2020. One, we're going to talk to Eric, get some thoughts here on the National Football Conference here. Browns, on schedule, on paper, only going to face the AFC North, but you never know. There could be that Sunday in February where they do face one other NFC opponent. We'll be back with that in just a second. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB and, of course, NFL preseason which kicked off last evening before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams are prepping for their runs to the playoffs bet online your online sports book experts now we're going to get into the NFC a little bit 49ers obviously not on the Brown schedule this year but some thoughts here Eric uh you know obviously you know heavily invested into Trey Lance Jimmy Garoppolo still there thoughts that maybe Trey Lance may need a little bit of time here um but a situation for the 49ers a lot of other nice things in place um 
but you're going to have to figure, I mean, if Jimmy G starts, gets hot, you know, you ride that till maybe you see a crack in the road here. Um, but maybe that's just a tough position for the team to be in because you have this quarterback in Garoppolo, but obviously the 49ers as a whole have thoughts on where the future of that position is. Yeah, man. I mean, it's been an interesting conversation and uh, uh, just really throughout the entire training camp so far. You know, you have a young guy who I think had little expectations to for most people, right, in Trey Lance. Obviously, you drafted him number three overall, so you want him to be good. But I don't think anybody was thinking like, hey, you know, he's going to hit the ground running. You know, we're talking about a guy that came from FCS level, North Dakota State. One game uh, last only year. Only played 17 games uh, total. One full season, and he was a redshirt freshman at 19 years old. So it's like, man, what could he possibly do early on to unseat Jimmy Garoppolo? So you have, so you go into the offseason and you say, hey, got Garoppolo. He's our guy. He's our starter. We can bring Trey Lance along slowly. We don't have to rush him in. We can let this happen organically, as I like to say, right? And then they start practicing. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I laugh because I, I'm, it's still kind of weird to me that this kid has shown to be everything that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him. Now, there, there's a lot of hype coming out of Santa Clara right now about Trey Lance. And I don't want to beat the hype, drum, the hype drum anymore or kind of jump on that train too much. But I will say, whatever they thought they were getting, he's shown to be that and more. So from, you know, if you were drafting Trey Lance and you were like, you know what, I want a, a big arm, athletic, smart, intelligent, leader, winning quarterback, he's all of that. And a lot of times, you know, you would you would think that you would hear, well, you know, he's he, he's doing well, but, you know, he ha he's making some rookie mistakes or, you know, he's having some ups and downs. And there's been some of those, but the biggest mistakes he's had is missed handoffs. I think they fumbled two today, maybe an, another one. Uh, last week or so, but everything else, he has been light years ahead of where they thought he was he would be, and he, although going against the twos primarily, he's been going against the twos. It looks, I mean, he's been efficient. Before today, he had completed twenty out of twenty-two of his last passes. That's not including on his legs. He's throwing the ball downfield. He's completed what six or seven passes of forty or more yards down the field, so he's stretching the field. He's ripped off big runs during practice with the read option stuff that they're doing. I mean, it, it has been incredible. And even from guys that you don't expect to hear praise him, like a Matt Mayoko who's been covering the 49ers for 25-plus years. You know, he's a guy that was all over having Mac Jones and was not on Trey Lance at all. Did not think that that was going to be a good fit, thought he would need so much time. You hear Matt, you hear Matt Mayoko talk about, Trey Lance now, <laughs> and you would think that Trey Lance was the second coming of Michael Jordan or something. So, you know, I don't want to get that into it, but I would say he's playing He's playing so far that well and showing that he could be who he is. Now, the tough thing is when does he play, right? And you still have Jimmy Garoppolo there, and Jimmy Garoppolo has done fine. The tough thing is, is fine good enough to hold mm -hmm. off this young guy who's really just more talented than you. Right now, Jimmy's the where he can have his advantage is up here in his head. Right. But that's not going to mean anything if this kid comes out here and starts to execute, uh, especially in the preseason. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the preseason. But right now, Trey Lance is nipping at the heels of, of Jimmy Garoppolo. And now you have Kyle Shannon, who was saying just a few days ago, 
Trey Lance will not get first team reps. And then today he comes out and says, Trey Lance will start to get some reps with the ones. Said so still not an open competition, but he wants to just get him reps with the ones. And it's like, all right, Kyle Shanahan, we'll see. Well, and this is where the difference is, though, from today where it was years ago. And you know, years ago, you know, we don't want to put him out there because we don't want him to make mistakes. And, you know, this now with the way when quarterbacks are bred at such a young age now, mm-hmm. now it's, well, we know there's going to be some dumb mistakes. Let's get him on the field as fast as we can and get those the hell out the way. And then this kid will go do his thing. I think the best thing is to kind of play them and let them get that out the way. I mean, we saw that with Baker Mayfield, right? And it's like, oh, no, like, we're going to go with Tyrod Taylor over Baker Mayfield. Eventually, they got Baker Mayfield in there. And, yeah, there's going to be the ups and downs, right? And we saw that for a year or two with Baker Mayfield. But let him get that out the way so he can be prepared for a playoff run, which he did in year three, right? And, you know, let him get prepared for what he's going to do this year, right? And there's a lot of high hopes for it. I'd say the same thing with – uh, who was it? Justin Herbert last year. We saw that again, Tyrod Taylor. And they were just, oh, no, they're starting him no matter what until he got his like lung punctured with a needle. So they had to go with Justin Herbert. And next thing you know, he's winning rookie of the year. So with Trey Lance, and I get it, the difference is Jimmy Garoppolo has had success, right? I mean, he has been a part of an organization that went to the Super Bowl uh, with the 49ers. He was a starting quarterback. But I don't think he was ever the reason. And you have a guy like Trey Lance who has the ability to kind of really expand on what Kyle Shanahan wants to do offensively. And, uh, you know, now it's just a matter of when he's going to pull the trigger on that. But, I mean, if it were me, it's like, man, 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl since 1994. I know every year is that's the goal, win the Super Bowl. But is Jimmy going to give us that much more? to be able to have an opportunity to win it than Trey Lance. And I'm not saying Trey Lance is going to win it, but I would rather put Trey Lance in there now, get him that experience, let him take his lumps, let him figure it out, and really have that confidence in him next year that he can lead us to possibly a Super Bowl. I mean, if he happens to win a Super Bowl rookie year, great. It's, ne- it's something that never happened. But let's get him prepared for not just this year, but – Next year, the year after that, year after that. Because, again, it's been since 1994 since 49ers have won a Super Bowl anyways. It's crazy to say it because as quick as they were popping them off back in those days, and now to actually put it into terms to actually say 1994 just blows your mind here. But some thoughts other on the NFC. You know, Tampa Bay, you know, everybody knows where they're at. I think Green Bay, everybody's comfortable with that. Rams, Seahawks, everybody kind of knows the teams they are. We'll see how it works out. But you look at a division like the NFC North, and – I have zero idea what to make of it. Like, I, you love the Redskins defense, and then in Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, the Giants, I, I, I don't know. Maybe everybody's going to retire before they even get to week one because it looks like Joe Woods is out there running a 1967 trading camp that maybe he read a book from uh, Bear Bryant because um, everybody's just aggravated and all this extra running. Um, the, Dallas, a lot of it's going to go down. Obviously, the health of Dak Prescott, but again, the question will be their defense, which was you know the question you know years before you know in the last couple of years. Philadelphia, I mean, you know, I don't you know I can't imagine being in Jalen Hurts' shoes right now. You know, they moved on from Wentz and said, oh well, you know, all right, we got the kid. Oh wait a minute, Deshaun Watson might be available. I mean, there's a division, and it may come down to whoever wins the NFC East may not even deserve the playoff spot they're going to get. Yeah. You know, I think uh, when you look at the NFC East, I think the team that's very intriguing is probably Washington. Because right now, I think they have the the playoff defense. They got the Super Bowl defense. Now, 
can they just get some offensive production to match what they're able to do defensively? And you get a guy like Fitzpatrick in there, and yeah, he he's not this world beater. And I mean, we've seen him on a couple of good teams, but this is probably the best team that he's ever played on, right? With the most weapons that he's ever had. You know, you line up and you got Miko Hartman, and you got you know a good running back in the backfield, and you got you know you got a who. The other receiver, they just drafted Dami Brown. They got Curtis Samuel. So now you got some weapons. You got that defense. You don't have to do everything. If they can kind of limit his turnovers, I think that's a team that can should probably be the favorites coming out of the NFC East. I think a lot of people will choose the Cowboys just based on what they think the Cowboys are in their head. But if it's, if it's for my money, I got, the, I got the Washington football team winning that NFC East. Yeah, I think, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you just need marginable play. You just need him to not basically screw it up. I think that defense is going to put them in very sustainable, fortunate positions where they're going to be, you know, okay. And I think that defense is just going to be enough where if they maybe just focus on you know, running the ball more than, you know, basically forcing to throw it, uh, things will work out. Eric, it's that time of the year here. Uh, closing in on beginning of the season here where you got to start poking everybody you talk to. Super Bowl. Prediction for February of 2022. Oh, okay. So I always say I, I have to I have to say excluding my 49ers because I'm a 49er fan and I don't want to be biased or anything. So I'm going to take them out of the equation. All right. <laughs> now, removing them, whew, it's, it's hard to bet against Tampa because I, I just think they're so complete and everybody's coming back. Now, it, it's tough to repeat, but if anybody can do it, it's Tom Brady. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put Tampa, I'm gonna put Tampa in there. And from the AFC, oh man, you know I I want to get kind of a little a little zesty here and 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 throw in the Colts, but with the injury of of Carson Wentz, I think I'm out on them. And I think he might miss too many games to be able to recover and make a deep run. So. Gosh, I mean, I don't want to go Colts and Bucks again. I think that's too easy. Like, that's the easy way out. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go Packers out of the NFC. I just think A-Rod, man, like, I think he's just out to prove something this year. So I'm I think he's definitely going to come in aggravated, yeah. pissed off, and just agitated, yes. And then out of the AFC, I'm going to go Baltimore. I think it's all finally going to come together for Lamar Jackson. He's going to make enough plays with his legs and enough plays with his arm and be able to kind of withstand whatever it is that Kansas City gives him, and, and I think he's going to go all the way. So Baltimore against Green Bay. Well, Lockdown Browns fans, I hope you enjoyed the first 30 or so minutes of this episode with Eric Crocker. This last minute or two may have ended on a sour note for all of you guys. Um, <laughs> But Eric brought some absolute killer content and thoughts here to this today. You know, we got to talk a little bit about Joe Woods, talk about the Browns secondary, the expectations of this Browns office, offense, and actually, you know, get some thoughts here on the NFC. Of course, we're only going to see, you know, the AFC, uh, the NFC North here. We'll see Mr. Aaron Rodgers on Christmas Day. That's still one that blows my mind. Browns on Christmas Day in a primetime affair with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, she's going to be a hell of a hello ride, hell of a year. Uh, make sure you're checking out everything over, uh, you know, the uh, Crocker Report. You know, Eric obviously works with, um, you know, his Rise Athletic, helping, you know, young athletes, you know, achieve the next goals here. Um, and, of course, you know, co-host with Brian Peacock on Lockdown 49ers. Eric, my man, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. 
Uh, anytime, anytime. It was a pleasure. Uh, as folks know, the show Locked On Browns, follow back account on Twitter. Make sure you check that out. Uh, DMs are always open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open over there as well. Again, the show, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get listen to your podcast, make sure you're subscribed. Following the Locked On Browns podcast. Thank <laughs> you.